is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge number two, and I'm here speaking on the level with Dave Woodland. Dave, why don't we start out, give me your full name, the name of your home, Blue Lodge, and any offices or titles you have connected to that lodge. Okay. Uh, Dave, or David Woodland, and uh, I was raised in Justice Lodge number 285. At that time, was in Atlantic City, New Jersey, in uh, 1952, in May. I got my raise, got, I was raised then, and my father was a founding treasurer and still treasurer of the lodge when I got raised. And uh, I uh, got, after I got raised, I didn't go to the lodge for 21 years. Uh, I was uh, working at least seven days a week. I got sometimes a day off every other week. So tell me, your, before we get into the history, tell me what your home lodge is now. It's in uh, Linwood, New Jersey. So it's still Linwood, New yeah, Jersey? Yeah, we were in a, one of the big downtown temples like we have down on uh, downtown here. In Phoenix, number two yeah. in my lodge. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, we were a tenant. There were three lodges owned it. Eventually we bought in, and then the city bought it when gambling came to Atlantic City. They were going to make police headquarters out of it. And it was a sin. I went back about six months later. They ripped down all the Masonic priceless hardware from the uh, 20s. Oh. Chandeliers and everything else. And uh, then the police decided, well, we don't want to, we don't want headquarters in an old barn. And they, they wouldn't let them finish the job. So it remained that way. I think it's still that way. Well, that, that was 1977, I think. Well, anyhow, I, uh, I couldn't get to lodge working nights and days and weekends. And finally, my father passed away, and his honor, I decided to go to a meeting. And they said, we're shorthanded. Now, we had 450, 60 members, but they couldn't get enough guys for a line. The line out there is, is nine chairs. And he said, well, I'd be uh, an officer. I said, I don't know. I've never been to a meeting. I don't. Look, you'll be junior steward. What do I do? <clears throat> Nothing much. Uh, you, you just, uh, it, the stewards didn't even dress the candidates. I basically, walk them around. So you don't have to do anything. I said, all right. So I showed up for installation. They said, uh, we moved up two chairs. Now I'm junior master of ceremonies. They're on either side of the uh, of the, uh, the uh, senior warden. So I was installed as junior master of ceremonies. The next meeting, they said the junior uh, deacon can't make the rest of the year, so you're junior deacon. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, this is all in New Jersey still. Yeah. Right? Okay. At the, end, at the at the following year, I was junior warden. Oh my goodness! And then next year, next two years, I was master. Holy cow! Made master in two years. So, how old were you then? About twenty-seven. Twenty-seven year olds. So you joined fairly young, and boom, they put you to work right away. Yeah. You had volunteered what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, I learned the uh, two of the three lectures. I performed all the degrees. I did what I had to. 
the uh, uh, what do you call her? The uh, deputy, district deputy. They had free reign, and they were deputy over the whole district. And at his command, he would have a a uh, practice session anytime he wanted at his home lodge, which could be two or three times a month. And we had to attend, <clears throat> and we were assigned performance of a degree and graded on it. And then, so I learned what I had to. I was able to learn well. And that was that. So I, I after serving uh, as master for two years, the progression was you become marshal for a year. Then after that, I, I had to fill in the secretary for six years. And I've had a chair ever since I was installed as junior master of ceremonies. Mm -hmm. I haven't missed a year since. That is what, 64, 65 years. And right now you're currently the Tyler. A Tyler at, uh, at Scottsdale 43 and a musician at Oriel 20. So were you, did you do your military service before you joined the Masons? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was, wasn't 21, I was short, see I discharged in March and I, I was 21 in uh, June. So, uh, <coughs> and then I went to the GI college for four years on GI Bill. And then I was away for two years learning a trade, the retail trade the business in Des Moines, Iowa. And then I came back and that's when I joined the lodge. So tell me, let me take you back. So do you remember when you first heard of this thing called masonry? Yeah, from my father. He was raised in 1916. Wow. And uh, in a lodge that recently merged, it lasted for a while. I won't give all this gossip, but there, there was a religious problem with that lodge. And they said, don't any of you guys expect to ever get a chair, not in this lodge. They said, well, do you mind if we form our own lodge? So 19 of them did. They formed Justice Lodge. And by the time <clears> I got <throat> to be master, we had just short of 500 members. Well, and... Um, uh, this was your dad's lodge? Yeah. And uh, no computers. I had a, a uh, ledger page for every member in a binder. So let me back up because I'm getting a little bit lost. So you heard about, you knew about masonry from your father when you were a kid. Yeah. Did you attend Masonic events in your youth or were you in DMLA or anything? No, I, uh, no, I wasn't any of that. But he used to, he was in the movie and storage business. Hmm. And whenever they had an event that had to carry a lot of people, he would put them in the back of their truck and put a load of straw or hay in there. If it was a picnic or... Uh, other events, uh, he would just show for like any any of the organizations, the girls, the women's, the men's, and uh, I went along. I sat in the front seat. That was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. 
the rest of them were in a truck in the back. So that was your exposure. You got you saw your dad driving around the oh, organizations yeah, yeah. and you met these people. And, and he joined everything. I mean, he was in the grotto and Scottish Rite and uh, Shriners, you name it. He even belonged to the ancient order of red men. I never heard of that one. Yeah, they, whatever they performed, like most of them were based on masonry somewhere. And I got a picture in an album where they're all wearing headdresses and stuff like that. Huh. Yeah, I don't know anything about that one. He didn't. He didn't ever join the Godfellows. So you 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 grew up around masonry. Yeah. Um. But uh, before you turn back in that day, you had to be 21 to be a mason, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before you were 21, you said you joined the military. Yeah. Okay. 17. 17. You joined the military. Tell me about uh, your military uh, experience. Uh, I uh, enlisted and was sworn in in New York City. And we got on a train in the morning, and they put us up at the Y the night before. And I went out on, on a town and came back. I was AOL the first night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyhow, I was all right. We went to uh, Newport, Rhode Island for a boot camp, and I, uh, that was six weeks. And then I went to four months into torpedo school, and then went to San Diego for a couple of months for advanced training, and then we commissioned a ship. That was in May of, uh, of 44. And I was on a ship continuously until I left for discharge in uh, March of 46. And uh, Is that the ship you've got hanging in your yeah. kitchen there? What's the name of that ship? The... Uh, DE-415, the Lawrence C. Taylor. And uh, we ended up in eight major engagements. There were the Philippine invasions of Luzon. And then in between them were uh, Taiwan, which was Formosa then. Then back to the Philippines for, was on Formosa, Mindoro invasion. Uh, and then a while after that was Iwo Jima, Okinawa, and we sank two Japanese submarines single-handedly. Wow. Including the biggest one that was ever built. It carried seven airplanes in a waterproof hangar with a catapult going up over the bow. But, of course, they were kamikazes because they couldn't land. Right. And uh, they, they built four of them, and the only, only one ever left Tokyo Bay, and it was one day out when we sank it. Oh, my gosh. And it was on our way to <clears throat> Panama Canal, destroy the uh, Gatun locks and, and let the lake drain into the Pacific so the troops couldn't come over from Europe because um, in April that year, the war in Europe was over, and they were shipping the troops over for the invasion of Japan. And uh, thanks to good old Harry Truman, he dropped the bombs and we were all set to, to launch the, the campaign. It must have been maybe 2,000 ships full of troops going up and down the coast. And they were about 100 miles off. And uh, they estimated if we had invaded that, we would have lost at least 2 million troops and probably 
12 or 15 million Japanese would have died. So dropping the bombs, in my opinion, was a great idea. Uh, so, so you were on that ship. You told me there was a story about how you got washed overboard. Yeah, there's a well-known book called Halsey's Typhoon. And there's been several books written on this particular typhoon. It is still recorded as the worst storm ever recorded in history. And Halsey, Admiral Halsey's third fleet was the primary uh, battle fleet in the Pacific. And he was told to alter his course into the storm. And he says, you don't tell me what to do. I'm Halsey. <laughs> and he stayed on course. And the thing, we saw it coming. We were escorting the, all the oilers. Everything would refuel at 20, 22 knots moving. And we were there to protect them from submarines or, any, or mines or anything else. And we were about a half mile off when the storm hit, just like somebody turned a blower on. And there were three destroyers, full destroyers that were riding high because they pumped out the ballast to get oil into the tanks and it just blew them over and eight or 900 guys died. Holy cow. Yeah. And uh, he was, they were trying to court martial Halsey and he skidded on it somehow or other. And uh, we were ordered below, stay in your bunks, but and hold on. Because, I mean, we were flipping sides, you know, 30, 35 degrees each way. At one point, they told me they walked up the, the wall in the wheelhouse. <laughs> and they came to me and said, one of your death charges is rolling around the deck. Go out and secure it. I said, that was ordered to do it. And I started to the open. There were two older guys. They must have been 25. They were chiefs. And they were standing by the open hatch. And came, how old were you, 18 or 19 at this point? Uh, yeah, I was 18. 18 years old. And I started heading out, and one of them pulled me back and said, you're not going out there without a rope around you. And he tied a rope around me. And I went out. I took about three steps. And this thing hit me like Joe DiMaggio had a baseball bat and I had a chest protector on. And just, I remember going up in the air and I don't remember anything until four hours later when I woke up in dry clothes in my bunk. I wasn't unconscious. I just, my memory just disappeared. And I knew they told me what happened. And, uh, Went on for 60 years. I didn't know who that guy was that pulled me back. When Somebody I, pulled you back by that rope you had. Yeah, oh, yeah, on. yeah. I was, I, he, I, was I had no idea what went on. But, uh, so one night late, we were uh, emailing around some surviving members of the crew. We emailed each other. One of them says, well, I'm going to be 87 tomorrow, so... I'm going to hit the sack. And I said, oh boy, an older guy. So I emailed right back. I said, what did you do during the typhoon? He said, well, I was hitting another chief. We were hanging around the hatch, and some guy tried to go out, and I tied a rope around 
I'll tell you, it chokes me up every time to talk about it. And we, uh, my son, he lives in uh, Orange County. We were visiting my son in L.A., and we spent the afternoon with him. He's since passed away. So wait, how did you connect with him? You were emailing him? Yeah, yeah. Just but how did you find out, how did you start communicating with him? I don't know. We all got together before each other's email addresses, you know, that, that we can contact others. I mean, and just started talking because you were both that. Yeah. On the ship. You both were from the same ship. You knew yeah. that much. Today, you would have been doing it on the cell phone or messaging or something. Right. So that's how I found out. And to sit in a room with this guy, with my wife and son, is something you just don't forget. Oh, wow. Well, you got a chance to go, go hang out with him in San Diego? Well, no, well, no he, he's in Orange County, which is just uh, south of okay. L.A., yeah. And um, that same storm is what the Cane Mutiny storm was. It was based on that storm. Oh. Yeah, okay. so you can, you can Google it and, find, and, and, and read the story of the, uh, of the storm. Okay, I'll do that. And the book is called uh, Halsey's Typhoon. Halsey's Typhoon. So when you got out of the military, the, how, long, how long were you in the military? Uh, two months short of three years. Two months short of three years. So you were in your, you were 21 by that point or no? No, no, no I was still 20. 20. So tell me what happened then after you got out of the military, you still couldn't join masonry. No. Um, as I say, I got out in May and I started the university in September. Okay, so you went to school. Yeah, yeah. and uh, on a GI Bill. And uh, I was in Philadelphia. And uh, I, my family was in re retailing. And that's what uh, I tend to make a career out of it, big scale. And uh, when I was ready to graduate, uh, we belonged to a buying office and for ready to wear. That was our specialty, men's and women's. And my mother was a buyer, and she uh, was talking to the, the guy there. I said, yeah, my son's going to graduate and uh, doesn't know what he's going to do. And he says, tell him to be in my office at, at 10 o'clock in the morning on July the 12th with a hat on. And this is the kind of guy you do what he says. <laughs> so I showed up, and it was a, he was talking to a guy in the office, and he introduced me to the guy, and he was chairman of the board of the biggest department store between Chicago and Los Angeles. He says, Murray, put this guy to work and teach him everything you know. So I spent two years there. What, what department store was it? It's called Yonker Brothers. Yonker Brothers, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. Maury Sostrin, who was uh, the family, originally Youngers, and uh, it was a downtown store, and every three months he put me somewhere else for two years. It was great. He came back, and uh, my folks and a partner started the first big box store in the country. We rented streetcar barns, huge places when they had trolley cars, they used to service them, and they were empty. We had uh, stores, uh, the store was bigger than the, the, the Super Kmart's, 
1957. Wow, okay. Pioneers, yeah. So that's why I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go to a meeting. You were too busy. I was one of two managers, and we split shifts. One was, one shift was nine in the morning until seven at night, and the other shift was from one in the afternoon until two or three o'clock in the morning. So what changed when you were 27? What changed and allowed you to start spending some time and going to some meetings? You've said before you... Uh, yeah, my father passed away. Father passed away. Yeah, and I said, well, I'll show up and see what's going on. So you weren't a Mason yet until you, after your father passed away? That's correct. Okay. No, 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 no. no he was at my raising. He was? Yeah. So when uh, when did you... No, wait a minute. I did get mixed up. After 21 years of not attending, I went to, because he had passed away. Okay. Yeah. So when you were you were in your 20s, you were working in the department store industry. Yeah. When when did you decide to go seek out masonry and become a mason? When I came back, as soon as I got back from uh, two years in Iowa and went to work in the family business, his partner said to me, uh, here, fill us in. You know, handed you a petition. And said, yeah, hey. yeah. He did it instead of my father. I guess my father wanted it that way. I don't know. And this is for the lodge in New Jersey, so yeah. same lodge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so they handed you a petition, and you you joined. Yeah. And was it right away then that they started putting you through the chairs, like you talked about? Uh, no. As I say, I got raised, and 21 years later. I went to my oh okay meeting. okay that's right so you were raised yeah so they wanted you to become a mason you became a mason and then you didn't go to any meetings you were a mason you were yeah. paying your dues yeah but you were working and not not really but participating as soon as I showed up boom boom yeah you show up and you've been a mason now for twenty one years yeah yeah <laughs> and they say you're you're going to be in a in a chair <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So the good thing was your dad was uh, was able to see your you being raised. Oh yeah, that must have been pretty nice, oh, pretty special. Wonderful. I mean, when this came off, first thing I saw was him sitting in a chair. Oh wow. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So, twenty one years later, your dad passes away. You decide to go into lodge. How long were you a member at uh, the New Jersey Lodge? Until uh, I demitted in. Uh, 2005 or six, something like that. Was that when you moved to Arizona, or? Well, I've been snowbird starting in '74. Okay. And I uh, finally we we bought this house in '03. So you came here every year starting yeah. in 1974. '07, we moved here permanently. Did you visit lodges when you were here visiting, or no? Uh, just Scottsdale Lodge. Just Scottsdale. Yeah. Did yeah. you join or no? Yeah, I did after two years of visiting. Okay, so after yeah. two years of visiting, you joined. You were still a member back in New Jersey, but you yeah. had dual membership here yeah. at Scottsdale. Yeah. Okay. So then why you demitted because you were moving here permanently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and how, how Scottsdale is probably the closest lodge to your home, I imagine. Is that why you picked it? Yeah, it says Scottsdale, and so I went to it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was... Uh, so tell me about your first experiences at Scottsdale Lodge. What was that like? Much different than back home? Or? Yeah, that, like everybody else, you know, I got the impression that a bunch of guys came over and covered wagons and said, <laughs> let's start a lodge. What do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, I think most of it came from California, as I understand. Yeah, I think so. But it seemed to me that I visited lodges in other states, traveling and whatever, and uh, you start comparing it to what you've learned, and it's the same thing on different language or obligations sound the same, but why, why do they say this instead of that? And that's why I got the impression they put it together from different places around the country. It's a little bit different than what you yeah, used to. Yeah, whatever the reason, it's uh, that's what the first was. You know, you know, you're in lodge and you have out of state visitor, and they always say, "Well, it's something like ours, but it's different." So, how is it you got involved in Oriental Lodge? Um, we brought a candidate to uh, for. A degree, I forget which one, from Scottsdale one night as a visit to Oriental. We had, we got them through that degree because they had also had one, so they did, did it together. And I, I saw an organ sitting there, and I said to the master, "Do you mind if I try it out?" He says, "Go ahead, play it." So I played it for the degree. He, after me, he said, what do you do Tuesday nights? <laughs> that was almost nine years ago. And I became a member in uh, the first state of meeting in January this year. Oh, this year you became a member. Oh, wow. They, they handed, In December, they handed me a, a petition. I said, what's this for? Just fill it out. <laughs> and then they, they read the petition, and next meeting they balloted and uh, they awarded me a, a a full membership, not honorary. Oh wow! And then uh, last stated, they uh, changed it to uh, senior life. Right. So that's so you've been a Mason how long now? I think it's so sixty four years. I'm years. sure of, and I think somehow next day the meeting in Scottsdale. They're going to give me a longevity award, a longevity award, whatever they call it, and maybe that apron they give, gave away it with the oh okay fifty sixties whatever. You're gonna get a fog award. That's what what yeah. Keith in our lives is. Fog stands for freaking yeah. old guy. <laughs> so I think they they think it's sixty five. I I counted it sixty four. So whatever it is, it is what I'm it is. Glad to accept it. So what keeps you, you've been coming a long time. What is it that keeps you involved? What is it that keeps you coming? Because I don't want to just sit there. Uh, for a while, as Tyler, they wouldn't let me sit inside the lodge, even open the door and sit in there. But this year, I can sit in the lodge if I want to. So anyhow, and I do it. I'm in the habit ever since back in Jersey. If nobody's looking, I trust the candidates while they're opening a lodge. Oh, so when the okay. stories come out, they check my work, and uh, there's a knock on the door within a minute after they leave the lodge. Keeps things moving. Yeah. But I, I haven't been able to get the lodge for uh, last five or six uh, meetings, including tonight. Tonight is an educational Education, a yeah. guy coming from Utah. I'm kind of excited. I'm going yeah. to hear him speak. Yeah. yeah. I intended to go, and I was reminded it was my 
anniversary. You were reminded? You forgot? Yeah, my daughter was here. Yeah. <laughs> so, how long have you been married? Fifty-nine. Fifty-nine years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So your wife's been through with the whole Masonic journey with you. Oh yeah. And she's been supportive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Did she ever get involved in any of the groups? No. No. Okay. No, not not at all. And you know, I never joined anything but the uh, Blue Lodge. No, no, no independent bodies. I saw my father was busy. He belonged to everything, and I and I never saw him go to a meeting. Maybe he did when they when they were younger or whatever, but I knew I couldn't do if I can't do something for a lodge or a chapter or anything else, then uh, I, I don't want to be a hang on member. You know, right. So why why would you say masonry is important to you? Well, the primary reason at the time was I, I my father thought it was great, and what my father thought and said, you know, must be right. And uh, the more I did, the more I got involved. The more I got involved, the further I went, and uh, and. Uh, did it the hard way. I, I don't advise any lies to, to do to anybody what they did to me. <laughs> you know, I really had to do a second term. Uh, not that I particularly wanted to. They do that a lot back east or in the Midwest, I hear. That's masters often serve. They'll get elected two years in a row. Yeah. 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 And uh, so I joke about it. Yeah, I was in master for two years. The second year I got it right. <laughs> That's only half funny. So what do you what do you get out of Mason? What's in it for for Dave Woodland? Uh, I'm active. You know, I'm I'll be 91 in uh, in uh, June, and I'm I'm up and going as, as much as I can. Right. I even I even belong to a lodge in in Tel Aviv, Israel. Really? Because I I did 15 years of three week volunteer. The tours with the with their defense force, not as a member, but you'd go over there and live with the soldiers, and they stick a uniform on you to work in, and uh, do whatever job they had. I was able to weld and do different things, so I did that 15 years in a row. And, and of course, I, I got very familiar with the country, and the first thing I did was try to go to a, a Masonic meeting. I called Grand Lodge, and a woman said, uh, "What language do you want?" They've got thirteen different lodges. They, I, they have—I don't know how many lodges they have, <clears throat> but they have thirteen different languages. I've heard that every different language, yeah. Yeah. And if you look in the book of lodges, it'll be a, a capital letter after it for the language they use. Mm, okay. And uh, happened to pick a, 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 a the only name they could get away or something. And that lodge was Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was formed by the members of the Chilean embassy and in Israel. Yeah. So, and then during a period of time, I I helped with the formation of a second Spanish-speaking lodge. They had me make a speech, which I did in my pigeon. Spanish, 
Afterwards, I said, how did I do? And he said, uh, your, uh, your grammar is, is terrific, but you have the worst accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So, so that's the reason I joined the Lodge. It's, you have to be a citizen of the country to, to join the, a Lodge. Oh, really? But there's one... It's almost a virtual lodge. I think they meet three times a year in person. But it's only open to non-citizens. So they have members from all over the world. Who are visiting, they can go. Yeah, you get a trestle board and everything you get. And I do this for around $40 a year or something. And uh, so I belong to that. Can you think of uh, any... Any members, you know, in Masonry talk about uh, uh, the ideals of Freemasonry, men, men of character, things like that. Can you think of anybody who made a big impact on, on your journey as a Mason that you want to mention or talk about? It's just a, a, a collection of everybody, and that's what impressed me most, that throughout Masonry, wherever I went, it was always the same. I mean... All good guys, all guys, all guys that I would trust, tell my secrets to, and are happy to work with. I like the the moral implications of of qualifications, and uh, I also write extensively. You do? Yeah, I, I write an essay every time I get a good ideas. Originally, they're all about masonry. Since then, about any subject. What do you do with them? Well, uh, originally they, they wanted something from each officer for the trestle board. Oh, right, right. So I started with that. They still print everyone in our trestle board. I've got about 60 of them now. Wow. And now Orientals picked it up, and they they want a copy of everyone, so... I, I, when I printed it on the computer, I just sent it out to five or six people. Nice. And my uh, Veterans Post, they they have it. They, they put it in their newsletter. And uh, my kids read it and a couple so you, of friends. You're 91 and you're you're using the computer. Yeah. That's pretty good. I, if I get an idea, I just sit down with paper and pencil, write it in longhand. And immediately type it up because I can't read it. <laughs> yeah, that's how I got through college. Oh wow! And uh, nothing regular about him. When my, my wife was in rehab for two months, in uh, three weeks I wrote four of them. Oh wow! Because I was sitting around in a room doing busy. something. Yeah. yeah. So what about? Uh, are there any brothers that uh, you were close to that have uh, since passed? Do you want oh, to remember? Yeah. Almost all of them from back east. They're basically, you know, my age, a little bit older. Unfortunately, some younger. And uh, any names you can think of to mention? Well, the guy that first said that I needed to be an officer, yeah, Arnie Reisman, and uh, he had a bad stroke and didn't last too long after that. And, Couple of other guys, we had a circle, you know. Yeah. But uh, 
And you're doing masonry, you don't confine yourself to two or three guys. I mean, and and uh, comradeship is terrific. Being Tyler, I don't get to mix with him as much as I'd like to. But the Oriental, you know, now they call me by my, I made up a nickname for me. What's your nickname? Well, like my son, nobody knows his last name. He's Woody to everybody. He works in Hollywood for Warner Brothers. He's a a freelance editor for television. Oh yeah, Woody. Yeah, and uh, but uh, of course Carlos is maestro. I fill in for him in Scottsdale when he can't make it, and I'm known as Maestro Light. <laughs> Maestro Light. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, so that's that's the comradeship you get. Any any interesting stories or funny stories you can think of of events or travels you've done in masonry or? Oh, I bet there's some. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing you can think of. Any? No. Uh, uh, have you visited any other lodges uh, outside the country other than Israel? Uh, no. no. Oh well, we we used to have Friendship Day in Mexico. If you remember that. No, I've heard about it. You, you yeah. participated in that? They they lost their charter. I don't know if they ever got it back in Nogales. Uh, so that ended that. That was uh, always a good day. Long day, but good. I heard you guys used to open lodge on this side and do the first degree or something. Yeah. And then, uh, and of course, the, their degrees are... Uh, was where I'm using in uh, Spanish. Hmm? In Spanish. In Spanish, yes, but uh, not not Scottish right. Oh, or, you're or right. maybe it is Scottish right. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, wherever ours are, they're different. They're different. Right. Okay. But the same as the ones in Israel. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> they have their own touches, you know, with the bitter stuff to drink and all that stuff. Any any closing thoughts or any anything you'd want to share with people about masonry in general? Oh, in, in general is a, is a key word because I wouldn't say to somebody, go join, you'll have a great time. I said, if you want to be in a, have friendship with a group of guys that are without fault, and uh, probably superior to general society, I would suggest you apply. If I think it's somebody who just trying to improve his income, I wouldn't even suggest, you know, like a real estate guy or insurance guy, or I don't want to point any fingers, but that happens. Yeah. It's not their fault. It's a way of life. And, uh, if your way of life doesn't match the way of life of masonry, it doesn't work for everybody. All right. Well, Dave, thank you very much for taking time to talk to me today. I appreciate it. Um, I thank you. And uh, whatever happens, happens. <laughs>